Find your Bible and turn to 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. And when you find that, if you could stand, if you're able to stand. And uh, we're going to be running through the Bible from one end to the other. So I'm not going to let you fall asleep, amen? I know it's hard because I sit out there and I fall asleep, amen? You don't want to let pastors see you fall asleep. Not good. Anyway. But if people work all day and they're tired, it's cool in here. I mean, amen. So, First uh, Timothy 3.16, the Bible says, And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up into glory. God becoming flesh, which he never was before. Think about that. The Bible says that's a great mystery, and as we look at that tonight, we're going to study tonight and just kind of have a Bible study. I don't know. I'm not a preacher. I'm kind of a study guy, amen, and uh, every once in a while I can throw something at you, but uh, this thought tonight, the humanity of Christ, okay? So I'm not taking anything away from the deity of Christ. He's God, right? Jesus Christ, he's all God. But he's all man. Amen? And we're going to look at the, at the human side of Jesus Christ. From Old Testament, Genesis, all the way, it's going to be, it's neat. I, I just, you know, if you don't get anything out of it, I'm going to enjoy it because it's, it's good stuff. Amen? So let's pray. <clears throat> Father, we thank you for being such a great God. And uh, Lord, uh, I've studied, i got all kinds of notes, and, uh, but Lord... If you don't give me the words to say, I have nothing for these folks. And Lord, there's people here tonight that need to hear from heaven. Lord, I need to hear from heaven. And Father, I pray that you'd meet with us and touch our hearts and speak through me tonight. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. I don't deserve that, but you said if I ask, I could have it. So I'm asking, Lord, I I need your help tonight. And Father, we just want to tell you we love you. Thank you for being our God. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. So... Got all these preacher boys. Did you notice that the preacher boys moved over way over there? They used to sit right in the front. I don't know what. I don't know what that's all about. But so as we go through this tonight, I'm probably going to be asking questions. Amen. To my granddaughters and my grandsons and preacher boys and probably some men. So if you're not staying right with me, see you. You'll be what? What? No, I probably won't do that, but I might. So, was Jesus always a man? Is he a man now? Hey, when he went, when he when he when he went back to heaven, when he ascended back up, you know, when I first got saved, I thought he turned back into God. I thought he just turned back into spirit God. So is he a man and God right now? Amen? So we're going to look at this. So, I'm going to kind of back up, give you some basic things, and then we'll get into it. Micah chapter 5, verse 2 says this, But thou, Bethlehem, Euphrata, Though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of these shall come forth unto me that is to be ruler in Israel, listen to this, whose goings forth have been from old, from everlasting. (laughs) So it's telling about Jesus going to be born, but it says he's already here. He's already alive, but he's going to be born. That's a mystery, yeah. Matthew chapter 1, Behold, a virgin shall be with child. What? And shall bring forth a son, they shall call his name Emmanuel, which shall bring interpreted God with us. Listen to this. 1 Timothy 2.5 For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. The man Christ Jesus. Matthew 16. You don't have to turn to all these. Once in a while I'm going to have you turn because I want you to see some particular things. But Matthew 16, when Jesus came to the coast of Caesarea Philippi, I got to go there when I went to Israel. I don't have time to tell you the whole story, but it's a neat place. 
Jesus came to the coast of Caesarea Philippi. He asked the disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? They said, Some that say, some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He saith unto them, But whom say ye that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. This is, this is really, I don't know if you've ever looked at this. Here is God saying he's a man. And here's a man saying Jesus is God. <laughs> What's that all about? It's a mystery. God becoming a man, it's a mystery. Amen? You guys ready? Over there? Yeah. Our minds have never pondered God making himself small, weak, subject to human trial and hardship, but he did so, didn't he? <clears throat> On earth, in a body of flesh, God, think about this, was sleepy, hungry, thirsty, lonely, and more than we, more than we have time to discuss. <clears throat> we have the same God that spoke to Moses, Joshua, Daniel, Simon, uh, Samuel, but he is far better able to meet our human needs now that he has experienced life on earth as a man. Now don't let your brain run away here. We have a God who understands what it is like to live, suffer, weep, and even die on this earth as a man. Wait a minute, Brother Mike. I thought God already knew everything. He does. He does. He knows everything, but he had never experienced what a man experiences. Don't, don't leave me. Don't cut me off. Hebrews 2.9, but we see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he by the grace of God should taste death for every man. <clears throat> so what am I trying to say? I'm saying that when he left heaven, he gave up. That, all that knowledge, that glory, all of that, allowed himself to be born a human being and then learn as he grew. I mean, this blows me away. This is God. Can you see how far he came to go out of his way for you and me? I mean, he put himself out. I, I, I had a preacher once told me, I said that to a preacher once, he said, he didn't put himself out. What? He did. He put himself out. He humbled himself. He lowered himself. He went, to, he went a long way to reach you and me. He didn't have to do that. He's God. Amen? So, Brother Mike, I'm having trouble getting my head around this. God, man, he, he knows everything, but he had to learn everything over. So, it's, it's great is the mystery of godliness. I mean, he told us it'd be that way, right? So let me say this. In Psalm 113, the Bible says this, The Lord is high above all nations, and His glory above heavens. Who is like unto the Lord our God, who dwelleth on high, listen, who humbleth Himself to behold the things that are in heaven and in the earth? Are you getting this? God, His... Listen, we don't have a clue how high and lifted up He is. We, don't, we think we kind of know God. Amen? If, hey, if we walked into the presence of God just like I am, I would vaporize. That's how high and lifted up He is. We don't have a clue. And so when the Bible says He has to humble Himself to look at the things in heaven and look at the earth, He has to look. Hey, that word humble, I looked it up. It means to depress, to, to humiliate, abase, bring down, cast down, put down, make low. Hey, God has to lower himself to look at the earth. And he became a man? I mean, I'm just telling you, this human side of Jesus Christ, he did a lot. He went a long way. Uh, listen, I'm going to give you the drift of the message tonight. It's this. He went so far, went out of his way so much, did so much to become a man for you and me, What's he asking you to do that you think is putting you out too much? Amen? Is that preaching? <laughs> so that, listen, 
When I say God had never experienced what a man experiences, it is because he is so high and lifted up, we don't have a clue how high and lifted up God is. Listen, he had never been that low before. He had never humbled himself that low before to become a man. For God to become a man would be for you to become a cockroach to redeem the cockroaches. Hey, it's lower than that for God to become a man. You know, we think too highly of ourselves. We think we're somebody. You know, he's just a man upstairs. We got it all out of whack. Amen? He's he's high and lifted up. Amen? He is all God, and I'm not taking away from the deity tonight. Listen, don't go away here uh, saying, uh, Brother Mike talking about Jesus being a man, he's not God. I didn't say that. He's all God. But he's a man. So the Bible says in Luke 2.52, it said, And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Listen, he on purpose humbled and put himself in a position where he had to learn all the things a human being had to learn and experience, all the things a human would experience. Is that crazy? He went out of his way, I'm just telling you. He went out of his way. Uh, John 3.13, Jesus, listen, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he was come from God and went to God. I was talking to Maddie before church. And it's like, uh, so when did Jesus know he was God? I don't know. He knew he was God when he was 12 years old, because remember he got separated from his mom and dad. Three days later, they find him in the temple, and he's talking to the, all the uh, rabbis and everything, and he's got them all lit up. They don't, he's got them back against the wall, amen? Twelve-year-old boy. And they come and said, they said, where you been? We're, we're troubled. We couldn't find you. And he goes, wished you not that I'd be about my father's business? So he knew then he was God, amen? So that blows my mind that he allowed himself to be enter into that body, grow up and have to learn things, and at some point, though, he knew he was God. Amen? Is that, that's, that's neat. I, pretty neat stuff. So, can you start to see how far God came to be a man with great hopes that someday you would see yourself as a sinner and come to him? The love of God is far greater than we will ever know. Amen? John 3.16, for God so loved the world, right? Even though, listen, 90-some percent of the world wants nothing to do with Him. And yet He did that for all of them. Now He knew. He knew coming to the earth. He knew knew that hardly anybody would love Him back. Hardly anybody would get saved, right? I mean, talk about the the population, amen? But man, he did it anyway. But I'm glad he did. I'm glad he did become a man. Die on a cross, save me, amen? So we're going to look at a few things here about the humanity of Christ. So the first thing is, is the dilemma of Job. So pastor's been preaching on Job, right? Teaching on Job. And uh, it's the faith of Job, right? Think about this. Think about your faith. Have you thought about your faith? pastor's been preaching about the, the faith of Job. Have you kind of compared yourself? Amen? Maybe, maybe not. Job did not have a Bible. Job didn't have the indwelling Holy Spirit. Job didn't have a church. Hey, he didn't have Jesus Christ as his high priest. Jesus wasn't here yet. Right? The Son of God was here. The voice walking in the cool of the garden was in Genesis. He was here, right? The Son of God, He's here. But He wasn't, he, he wasn't there for, for Job. The God-man Jesus did not show up until His birth in Bethlehem. He was the Son of God. He was the voice in the cool of the day in Genesis. He's the Spirit of God in the Old Testament. He was God, but, it, but He had not become the God-man Jesus until His virgin birth. So, think about Job. Job wanted badly to have someone that would connect him to God. If you've ever read the book of Job, 
and, uh, and, he, and he goes through just a, it's a hard time, right? And he's, he's just wanting to sit down with God and talk about it. <laughs> Amen? I mean, you read it. That's what it is. Uh, so he wanted to connect with God. He, he wanted a daysman, a go-between, a mediator, an impartial judge. He thought God was mad at him. He thought if he could just talk with God, that God would tell him why all this calamity in his life was happening. Really, he, he did. I'll read it to you, Job chapter 9. If I wash myself with snow water and make my hands never so clean, yet shall thou plunge me in the ditch, and mine own clothes shall abhor me. He was thinking, if I could just clean myself up real clean, God would come. For he is not a man as I am, are you getting this? That I should answer him, and we should come together in judgment. Neither is there any day's man betwixt us that might lay his hand upon us both. Let him take his rod away from me, and let not his fear terrify me. Then would I speak and not fear him, but it is not so with me. So what's Job? Hey, Job, Job just said this. If I just had a man that could put his hand on me, and put his hand on God, and bring us together, I could find out what's going on. We got that man. Amen? Jesus Christ. He's our high priest. He's our advocate. Right? Job didn't have that. And yet Job had great faith. You're going to hear about it as pastor goes through it. Great faith of Job. He didn't have anything we had. My faith ought to be as good as Job's. Or more. <laughs> Amen? I mean, it should be. I'm not saying it is. I'm just saying it should be. Amen? Anyway, so the reason God became a man was what? To save men from the penalty of some. Let me back up. I missed a whole bunch of stuff here. Okay. God the Son gave up and endured a lot to become God the man Jesus. Just for you and me to be forgiven, saved. And made into his image. So why did God become a man? To die on a cross, Brother Mike. To save men from their sins. To give us a home in heaven. Yeah, those are right answers. Yeah. Uh, Let me give you some more. The reason God became a man was to save men from the penalty of sin. Save men from the presence of sin. And listen, we're going to see it here in a little bit. To make those who get saved become just like Jesus Christ, to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. Amen? That's his goal. That's his goal. Amen? Why did he become a man? So he could make you and me just like him. So why do people get saved and quit coming to church? They, listen, this is, this is it. They don't want to be like Jesus. You ever think of that? Why do husbands have trouble loving their wife? I was going to put wives, but that that don't sound right. Loving their wife. (laughs) If they they got a lot of wives, they don't love Jesus anyway. (laughs) That's good. But how come husbands have trouble loving their wife? They don't want to be like Jesus. That's, that's bottom line. Well, I got these issues. I was raised this way. No, no, no. You're a sinner, and you don't want to be like Jesus, and you're just a rebel. <laughs> Why do wives have trouble submitting to their husband? Singular. They don't want to be like Jesus. Why do teens struggle with rebellion? Why do adults struggle with rebellion? They don't want to be like Jesus. I'm just telling you. That's it. Uh, Luke chapter 1, verse 34. Man, I turned too many pages. Getting ahead of myself. So we're going to have a revival in a week and a half. Why are, we, why are we doing that? We need to be more like Jesus. Amen? That's pastor's whole goal, right? Read your Bible, pray, witness. Amen? Have time with God. What's all that about? Be more like Jesus. Amen. 
Yeah. And uh, we're going to have a revival, and some will not come to every revival service. Why? You can answer that. In a nutshell, the reason God became a man was so that we could become like Jesus. Yeah. So that's, that was just one little tidbit. So let's look at his humanity in the virgin birth. Now, this is pretty neat. This is neat, isn't it, Maddie? We were talking about this. Okay, so there's people that struggle with believing the Bible about the virgin birth. Did you know that? There's people that say, oh, that's just a fairy tale, but it's not. Genesis chapter 3. Turn there, you've got to see this. Genesis 3.14. So while you're turning, I'll bring you up to speed. Man sins, remember? Adam and Eve sin. They figure out they're sinners. They look at each other. They're naked. They run and hide and start making clothes out of fig leaves. And, and then God comes, remember? Man says, the woman made me do it. The woman says, the serpent made me do it. And then look at verse 14. And the Lord God said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle, above every beast of the field. Upon, the, upon thy belly shalt thou go, and thus shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. Verse 15, I will put enmity between thee and the woman, between thy seed and her seed, it. Circle that, if you like writing in your Bible. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. It. What's the it? That's Jesus. That's his body. That's his human body. It shall bruise thy head, thou shalt bruise his heel. Here is foretold the death blow to the serpent, and the non-death blow to Jesus, where it says his heel, the Savior dying on the cross. So, listen, this it is a man... The man is Jesus. Are you with me? Believe me? Preacher boys, you believe me or what? I ain't heard an amen out of them yet. <laughs> Sitting over there, supposed to preach. Not throwing chairs, not doing nothing over there. Anyway, so this it is a man. Are you with me? It shall bruise thy head. This is God talking to the serpent. It's going to bruise your head. It's going to kill you. Head blow, death blow, right? This it is a man, the man is Jesus. This it is the Jesus of the New Testament. Brother Mike, it? Calling God it? You'll see why here in a minute. But why is God referred to as an it here in Genesis? That seems to be disrespectful. First time I ever ran across this or heard somebody talking about it, I thought, it? Talking about God? King James Bible, got to be right, amen? Hey, that's why you don't want a different version. All these little things like this, you got a different version, they won't be in there. Devil doesn't erase them. This is real important. This it is the body that will grow in the womb of Mary and be born of a virgin. Here is the promise that someday in the future, in accord with the purpose of God in, the saving, man, in saving man from his sin, there would be a man, think about this, walking on this earth that is not from Adam's seed, where we get our sin nature, but would be of the seed of the woman. No sin nature. What a promise. Skip to the New Testament. Turn to Luke chapter 1. Follow me there. I'm going somewhere. Amen? I'm going somewhere. So we just talked about the it in Genesis. That's Jesus. Sounds disrespectful, Brother Mike. Okay. Hang on. We're going to do another thing here. Look at Luke chapter 1, verse 34. The angel said to Mary before this, the angel said to Mary, you're going to have a son. And look what Mary says. Verse 34. Then, then said Mary to the angel, how should this be, seeing I know not a man? It's going to be hard. I'm, I, I'm going to get pregnant. I haven't been with nobody. That's hard. Amen. And the angel answered, said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also, look, look at this, that holy thing, no capitals, that holy thing which is born 
What shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. The it, get this, get this, if you don't get nothing else tonight. The it in Genesis 3 is that holy thing with no caps in Luke chapter 1. What is that? That's the humanity side of God. So why is it in it? And why is it a thing? But this is the only wording that can be true that protects the doctrine of Christ's deity and that fulfills the first promise ever given by God in Genesis chapter 1. Think about this. The virgin birth really happened, but Mary had no part in the deity of God. Mary's not the mother of God. Amen? She's not the mother of God. She was only the mother of the it and the mother of the holy thing, the body of Jesus. Her com- about lost my teeth. <laughs> that's, that's not going to be pretty. I need to slow down. Hey, once you get old and you get over it, that you're old, shoot, it don't matter anymore. My wife still kisses me. I mean, we're good to go, amen? I got too wound up. I got to slow down. The virgin birth really happened, but Mary had no part in the deity of God. Right? She's not the mother of God. She's the mother of the it and the holy thing, the body of Jesus. God entered into that body in her womb and became Jesus of the New Testament. The body, listen, the body made of the seed of the woman, no earthly father, no traceable roots to a sinful nature, a perfect, sinless body, and that body's name is Jesus Christ. That's God. Amen? Mary is not the mother of God. Somebody tries to tell you that, just say, nope, that, that body inside of her, it was an it and a holy thing. Wasn't God. I'm just telling you Bible, amen? Her contribution was to grow the human body of Jesus Christ. He was God and he entered into that body. Amen. So that's a, that's a little tidbit. So let's look at something else here. The humanity was justified in the Spirit. I've got to start moving here. Holy Spirit gives His approval. Remember when John was baptizing Jesus? John chapter 1, you don't have to turn to it. The next day John seeth Jesus coming into him, saith, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. This is He of whom I said, After me cometh a man, I circled that in my Bible, a man which is preferred before me, for he was before me. And John bare record, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it abode upon him. The Holy Spirit gave his uh, stamp of approval on Jesus Christ when he got baptized. Amen? Y'all with me? Joe, you with me? Amen. First Peter 1, For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with the corruptible things of silver and gold from your vain conversation received by the tradition of your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish, without spot, why does the Holy Spirit move on Peter to write this? He is the spotless lamb of the Passover in the Old Testament. The Holy Spirit examines the life of the man Christ Jesus and declares him righteous. Amen? Hey, that lamb is acceptable. That blood can redeem. That offering will satisfy the Father. That sacrifice will substitute for you and me. Hey, what a God! What a Savior! Hey, see all the trouble he went to for you and me? He went out of his way. What's God working on you about going out of your way? Yeah. Let's go, let's just do another one real quick. The humanity of Christ, our high priest. Boy, this is good. This is really good. Hebrews 2. I'll just read here. For verily he took not, not on him the nature of angels. But he took on him the seed of Abraham, wherefore in all things it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren, that, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, 
to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. For in that he himself have suffered being tempted, he is able to succor them that are tempted. Can you see this? All that he went through in life, he had to learn things, experience things. So everything that you go through, he's been there. When you pray to Jesus Christ, your high priest, he's already been there. Amen? Hey, he's not a faraway God in a faraway land. Remember Job? If I just had a man that could connect us, you don't even need a man now. You've got Jesus Christ. You can go right to the top. So we are told that our high priest is merciful and faithful because he has, been, because he has suffered and been tempted. Because of his experience, he is now able to succor. Listen, this word succor, listen what it means means to run to in order to support or to race to assist in times of difficulty. Race and run. Amen? He's right there. You start praying, hey, before you pray, He's already there. Amen? He is there to help you. Whatever's going on in your life, finances, relationships, job. Flat tires. I'm telling you, he's there. He's just right there all the time. Hebrews 4, seeing that we uh, have a great high priest that has passed into the heavens, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession, for we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was at all points tempted like was we, yet without sin. Listen, let us therefore come boldly into the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Because he became a man, he understands fully what you're going through in your life. Are you with me? He knows everything. How does he know everything? Well, he's God. But he knows everything because he grew up and went through it all. He didn't have to do that. He's high and lifted up. He humbled himself. Remember? Remember? Remember, guys? I heard a yep, but I, I, I ain't heard no amens yet. Did anybody say amen yet? Okay. <clears throat> so let's talk about our inheritance. And we're just talking about some things about his humanity, right? So what about our inheritance? How many have ever heard that we have an inheritance in heaven? Got an inheritance in heaven. So should I ask questions? Huh? Amen, yeah. So the Bible speaks of an inheritance for the saved people of God. Our first thoughts of inheritance might be the sights and sounds of heaven. Right, Zoe? Sights and sounds of heaven. My mansion. We've talked about that. Great big white-tailed deer in the backyard, yeah. My mansion. Streets of gold. Walls of jasper. A new body. No aches and pains. You know, uh, Young people, they, they talk about how fast they can run, how high they can jump. Old people talk about where it hurts, how much it hurts, what I used to could do. I used to be able to do that, amen? I was walking up some steps out at the prison, and these guys just come racing by me, these prisoners. They're taking like three steps at a time, and they're just kind of looking back like, yo, man, you know. I said, I used to be able to do that. One of these days, you're going to be doing this. Amen? So, but think about this. Those are all material things. Our inheritance in Christ is not material. Got this? Our inheritance in Christ is not things. It's not a mansion. It's not streets of gold. It's not a new body. That's not our inheritance, what this is talking about. Our inheritance, well, just let, me, let me read some things. 1 John 3. Behold, what manner of love the Father bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. And it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that, listen, when he shall appear, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. And every man hath this hope in him, purifieth himself. Every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. Every man hath this hope. What hope? 
What's he talking about here? What hope? We shall be like him. We shall see him as he is. Why? Because we'll be like him. What's our inheritance? I'm getting ahead of myself. Our inheritance is we're going to be just like Jesus. We will not look like him per se, but we will be like him. His holiness, his sinlessness, his glory. We shall all be changed. Changed how? How we think, how we react, our sinful attitudes, gone. Our sinful nature, gone. Hallelujah, what a Savior. Amen? My inheritance, someday, I'm going to be just like him. Dirty thinking, right? Hateful attitudes, to get evenness inside, right? Somebody didn't shake my hand at church, now I'm going to quit. What? Hey, there won't be any of that in heaven. We'll be just like Jesus Christ. Ephesians chapter 1. Let me read you some more here. Blessed be the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ who had blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ according as He has chosen us in Him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy without blame before Him in love. Listen to this. Having predestinated us into the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to Himself according to the good pleasure of His will. In whom also... I'm reading a lot of Scripture... Just listen, this is good, though, listen. In whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of Him who worketh all things after the counsel of His own will. Hey, every time you see predestinated, predestination in the Bible, that's not talking about people who are going to get saved, people who are not going to get saved. Nothing to do with that. The word predestinated always comes after somebody's saved. Predestined for what? Predestined to be just like Jesus. That's our inheritance. I got saved. I got, it. I got predestinated. At that moment, I was predestinated to be just like Him. Amen? Someday I'll be exactly like Him. You'll walk up to me, Brother Andrew, in heaven, you go, Brother Mike, is that you? Looks like Jesus. Is that really you? I'll be just like him. I'll be so changed, Brother Brett. I'll be so changed, you might not know me. Amen? That's my inheritance. Read on. Listen. That we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ, in whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, after that ye believed, ye were sealed, with that Holy Spirit of promise. Turn to Ephesians chapter 2. Or Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. Look at verse 14. It's another one of those word things, okay? All you Bible thumpers and Bible college people, you already know this, but for me, a guy that never went to college and ran across this stuff, man, it was like, me! Glory. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 12. Let's just pick it up in verse 12. Ephesians 1, 12. Look what it says. I've been reading here, but I'm going to read with you. That we should be to the praise of His glory, who first trusted in Christ. Listen, verse 13. In whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believed, you were sealed with that, look at it, look at it, little h, Holy Spirit of promise. Now, if you don't have a King James, I don't know what it says. <laughs> Amen. Look at verse 14. Which is the earnest of our inheritance unto the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of His glory. What in the world does that all mean? <laughs> I'm going to tell you. This holy, small h, spirit of promise is not the indwelling Holy Spirit. So we were given the earnest of our salvation, right? When you got saved, He gave you a down payment. What's earnest? Earnest, you buy something, you're buying a house, you've got to put some money down, right? That's called earnest money. That means that you're going to buy it for sure, and if you don't, they keep the money. That's, that's what earnest means. And so here it says, which is the earnest of our inheritance. 
So this holy little h spirit of promise is the earnest of our inheritance. Wait a minute, what's our inheritance? We're going to be just like Jesus, right? So when I got saved, he gave me this holy small h spirit promise. I'm trying to drive home a point here. We all got the person of the holy capital H spirit when we got saved but only a portion or an earnest payment of His holiness. This word holy here, lost my place. So the earnest is the down payment, the partial payment with the the promise of a full payment later. Our souls have been redeemed now, but this redemption of the purchased possession is speaking of our body. So we must ask the question, just what is our inheritance? Well, we already answered that. We're going to be just like Jesus. Every believer has been given a portion. So get this. Try to think with me now. This will help you. Every believer has been given a portion or partial payment of what they will receive in full when this mortal life is over. So the key is that Holy Spirit of promise, small h, which is the earnest of our inheritance. Can you see how this is working? Some of you are still looking at me, but I'm trying to get you there. So if we already have the earnest, what we were given in part, that will be in full over there in heaven. So over there in heaven, I'm going to be just like Jesus. See? That's my inheritance. So this, so this, uh, this down payment I got when I got saved, what I get? So the key is verse 13. Spirit's capital, holy is lowercase, The Bible has not set forth the title of capital H, Holy Spirit, here, but the character of the Holy Spirit. The word holy, small h, is an adjective describing the character of the Holy Spirit. You were sealed with that Holy Spirit's character. You with me? You were given a measure of holiness, some holiness, in part now, but in whole, when you get on the other side of glory. When you get on the other side of glory, you're going to be holy, in, out, up, down, all the way around. Amen? But when you got saved right now, He gave you, you got all of the person of the Holy Spirit. You with me? You got indwelled by the Holy Spirit. You got all the person of the Holy Spirit. But He gave you some of His holiness. This is why when you get saved... Things look different. You got, you got some holiness inside of you, and when you look at sin, there's a conflict. See, when people say they're saved, and they don't look at things any different, makes me wonder. They never got the down payment. They never got the earnest. Yeah, they never got the Holy Spirit. And they never got a little bit of the holiness of the Holy Spirit in them. They never got that earnest check. Amen? Can you see that? Somebody shake their head. You know what I'm saying? Is that making sense? Preacher boys, are you getting it? Does that make sense? Yeah. <clears throat> so, so, after you were saved, you, uh, things were different. You, uh, they were either holy or not holy. Amen? Hey, I'll just tell you this. I got saved, and uh, the next day, I always went over to this guy's house, and I worked second shift, and, uh, and I, I really don't want to say this, but I'm just going to say it. I'm, I'm trying not to glorify sin, but hey, uh, what we would do is we'd meet for lunch, work second shift, going at three. Well, he, we would drink three or four beers, eat some sandwiches, go to work. I mean, I was lost. Amen? I was just lost. Not trying to make a deal out of that. But when I, hey, when I got saved, I got a down payment. The next day, I went over to that guy's house. I'm just, I'm, I'm totally ignorant of what's going to happen. We got in his backyard. It's August. Sit down at this little table. Got my lunch. Here he comes. Sets him down right in front of me. You know what? That Holy Spirit of earnest inside of me said, "Uh uh-uh, that's sin, buddy. 
No more drinking that. Inside of me. Yeah. What was that? That's the earnest payment. That's that little bit of holiness that the Holy Spirit gave me when He indwelled me. Yeah. Yeah. Never drank after that. Not, not, not every sin was that easy. Amen. I mean, God gives you time to grow, but I'm just telling you. So our inheritance is for us to be perfectly holy, sinless like Christ. God gave us a portion of that when we got saved. Listen to this, Ephesians 4. We're doing good. We're going to get out of here real quick. And he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastor teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Listen, till we all come into unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, listen, unto a perfect man. We're not perfect yet, right? He's talking about, we're going to get that later. Unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Well, I'm not there yet, but I'm going to get that, see? Yeah. From birth to death, we came short of the glory of God. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. What's that mean? That means I'm not like Christ. Glory of God is Jesus, amen? I'm a sinner. I got saved. In eternity, we will measure up. We will have Christ's glory, but not all now. We shall inherit Jesus Christ manifesting us into the when we get to heaven. So, what is our inheritance? We shall be like Jesus, holy, sinless, spotless, full of His glory. Wow, wow, wow. Don't worry. Be happy. Someday you'll be just like Christ. He went to a lot of trouble to know, uh, for Him to know us and save us. Are you getting this? It, what, what's the big deal about His humanity? Man, He went out of His way. He's God. Amen? So, I'm done. I'm just going to give you some comparisons now. These are, they, this is, I like this. It's neat. Jesus the God-man. So remember Psalm 113. He had to humble himself, right? He had to lower himself, okay? So here we go. I'm going to talk about Jesus as God. I'm going to talk about him as a man. Before he was man, he was God, right? I mean, he still is God after he became Jesus, right? But when he came, became a man... He left all that glory. He did that for you and me. As God, He is wisdom personified. As man, He has to increase in wisdom, stature, and favor with God and man. Think about that. As God, He knows everything. As man, He's got to learn it. He did that for you and me. As God, He spoke the day and night into existence. As man, He he rises before dawn to pray becomes tired and weary at night, it must sleep. See, God and man, can you see this? As God, He casts Lucifer from the third heaven. As man, He is subject to Satan's taunting after 40 days of fasting. He just takes it. Man, in the Old Testament, He grabbed him by the shirt tail and, and flung him out of heaven. But as a man... He subjects himself to to Satan's taunting, yeah. As God, he breathes life into Adam's body. Remember that? Took dirt, put it together, breathed into man. And man became a living soul. As God, he breathes life into Adam. As man, he struggles to breathe on the cross and and resigns his last breath and departing spirit on that same cross. As God, he created all things. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. As man, he has no ownership on earth. The foxes have holes, the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. On earth, he's a pauper. As God, he owns it all. Can you see what he gave up? Can you see what he walked away from? He did this on purpose. He didn't have to do it. This is, listen, this is good. As God on Mount Sinai, no man or beast can touch the mountain or they die. Anybody touch the mountain, kill them. Why? He's so high and lifted up. He's so holy. He's God, right? As man, as man, he is beaten. His beard's pulled out. His back whipped to shreds. His hands and feet nailed to a cross by men. 
Touch the mountain, you're dead. Now they're crucifying him. Same God. As God, his glory in heaven will evaporate any human being beholding it. I believe that. Amen? You just went to heaven like you are. Puff. You're gone. Why? He's so holy. He's his glory. Amen? As a man, he's common. Nothing of beauty. Remember Isaiah 53? Who hath believed our report? To whom the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, as a root out of dry ground. Listen, he hath no form nor comeliness. When we shall see him, there's no beauty that we should desire him. He went from being glory personified to a common man that nobody even desires to look upon. As God, he is omniscient, knowing all. As man, he has to learn how to walk, learn how to talk, learn how to eat, have his diaper changed. As God, he has always been in charge. As man, he puts himself in subjection to his human parents, human laws, evil men. As God, he is Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending. As man, he is born, lived, and died. He did all that for me and you. Can you see this? He went out of his way. He went way out of his way to become a man. Oh, he's God. I mean, he can do anything. That wasn't done for him. What? All this and more he endured that he could be the supreme, spotless Lamb of God that died for our sins and redeem us back to him. Listen. The Son of God became the Son of Man, that the sons of men might become the sons of God. Hallelujah, what a Savior. Amen? So why are you so troubled and worried? (laughs) Brother Mike, you've been watching the news? Not today. Amen? I wanted to preach. (laughs) He went to a lot of trouble and completely went out of his way to become a man. I'm done. With great hopes of redeeming me and you. Has your service for Christ put you out? What has it cost you lately to serve Him? What, he, what has He asked you to give up or start doing that you have not done? Why did God become a man? Well, it's a mystery. But I'm sure glad He did. <laughs> Where are you at tonight? You saved? You know for sure you're going to heaven? Brother Mike, I'm I'm just not where I should be. Okay. At least you know. (laughs) Amen. At least you know. Think about this. We've got revival coming up. What's revival? It's just somebody preaching their guts out, trying to get you to be more like Jesus. That's all he wants. Well, I don't want to. (laughs) What? You're saved? You got earnest money inside of you? You're a little bit holy in there? You know you're saved. If you don't have that, you're not saved. Amen? Listen, all he wants is for you to be like him. That's all he wants. He went through all of that so you could be like him. 